I think it's worth asking, you know, why did Jesus bother assembling this uh, community? can often be described as a dysfunctional community, right? Uh, beginning with the first disciples, it's clear that they often did not get what Jesus was uh, trying to teach. They argued a lot. We have swaths of the New Testament devoted to dealing often with Paul, dealing with squabbling within the church. Uh, one of their favorite debates, the early disciples, was who's the greatest among them? which is completely counter to the spirit and the example of Jesus all along the way, who said, the last shall be first, and by example stooped down to wash the dusty feet of his disciples. Two of them asked if they could sit at his right and his left as he came into his glory. And the other ten got angry when they heard about this, and this started another argument. They tried to keep children away from Jesus when Jesus said, let them come. When Jesus said it was time to stay awake and pray with him in his hour of need in the garden, they all fell asleep. They promised to be with Jesus when he faced his greatest trial. But when that trial came, they all ran away and hid. In one place in the Gospels, uh, the disciples are going through a Samaritan town, which they decided was not sufficiently welcoming So they asked Jesus, should we call fire down from heaven to kill all these Samaritans? Jesus said no. In another place they complained, we saw a man casting out demons in your name, but he was not one of us. We told him to stop. Did we do well? Jesus said no. Thomas was a doubter. Judas was a thief and a traitor. Levi collected taxes from his own people on behalf of the occupying Roman forces. Peter cut off a guy's ear and then pretended like he had never even heard of Jesus out in the courtyard while Jesus was being tried. What did Jesus need this community for? Why the church? Why you? Why me? And it's clear from the outset of his ministry that community, the community of faith in Christ, the church, would be the central sustaining gift that Jesus would establish in his name. And at the core of that community would be love. We read in Romans, Mike read for us, love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. From the beginning, it was never about sameness or nationality or or social status. This community of faith in Christ, this church, would include the widest possible variety of people. From Roman soldiers to slaves. From religious rulers, elites, to social outcasts and condemned criminals. Today you will be with me in paradise. For me, one of the strengths, one of the things I value most about Prince of Peace is the way that we embody and we embrace this variety. We represent vastly different and differing political, 
theological and spiritual perspectives in this community. I've said it several times before I know, but it, it, it is really one of the things that increasingly is most precious to me about this community of faith. There are congregations where almost everybody in the church is a social action liberal. And there are congregations of almost uniform theological conservative conservatism, which tends toward uh, that end of the political spectrum in those churches. One professor put it like this, in my experience, church communities tend to organize themselves like cable news channels. You have the MSNBC church, the Fox News church, the Al Jazeera community. Not a bad way to think about it. And I, I'm not, and we are surrounded by them. And I'm not judging any of them. I am simply out loud celebrating the fact that that is not what you have here at Prince of Peace. We are an eclectic mix of theological and political perspectives. And this, I want to say, is community in the deep end. <laughs> and where else does it happen? Where else can it happen? Churches love to say that everybody's welcome. Every church says that. We all at one point or another have it up out on our church sign. Everybody's welcome. But man, really meaning that? That's a tall order. And it's not an easy thing to pull off. You know, Jesus himself caused scandal in the eyes of folks, especially religious leaders because he would seemingly welcome anybody who wanted to come to him. It didn't seem to matter. Samaritans who were felt to be enemies of the Jewish people, prostitutes, tax collectors, Gentiles, lepers, sinners, Romans, centurions who were the very occupying oppressors of the people, they could all come to him. They did all come to him. So the religious leaders, when they looked at this, they said this about Jesus. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It, it sounds almost silly to us. We, we say, yeah, that's what, you know, that's what Christians do. But this was as much as any other factor what got the clock started on the crucifixion. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The world still appears determined and hard at work dividing itself up along political and ideological and religious lines. By the grace of God, this community of faith is called to embrace a different vision of the world. And this morning, I simply want to say out loud once again, what a blessing it is to be caught up in this vision with you. Jesus called ordinary people right in the middle of their ordinary lives to be a part of the new community. And through that, they did extraordinary things. And the church continues to do so. Bearing each other's burdens, caring for each other, and especially the vulnerable holding on to each other through thick and thin, always with the hope and promise of God's abundant grace. 
This is our call. This is who we are. Who else is going to do it if not the church? Sometimes that call will take us far from home. And sometimes it will take shape in and among the people right around us. But it will always involve people. Not simply a mission or a ministry or a movement, but people. After his very pragmatic counsel on how to solve an interpersonal conflict, a church squabble, Jesus says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. Of all the big affirmations of the Christian faith, I mean incarnation, miracles, the Trinity, the resurrection, the most audacious may just be this. Believe it or not, the very presence of God is woven into the day in and day out relationships we have with one another. So God is there beside you, right there at the dinner table, even when your 14-year-old is giving you the silent treatment. God is right there with you in the dorm room with the roommate you're maybe not getting along with. God is right there at the office in the middle of the give and take of politics and other issues. And we're here today on this great Prince of Peace get-together to celebrate the fact that where two or three are gathered in his name, and we are gathered in his name, where two or three are gathered, Jesus promises he is there. So you are now a part of this church. We draw a straight line from those disciples to this community of faith in Christ. This is community in the deep end. It's not always easy. We're in it together. We are always open for business. Our doors are open. We want to say to everybody out there, you are welcome here. And because we mean it, it takes something out of us. It takes something from us. It requires something from us. Wherever two or three are gathered. And here we are. In the presence of Christ part of God's church. What a blessing it is to be in this together with you. Amen.